Welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. Uh, and right off the top, some programming notes of sorts. Uh, if you're one of the lovely people who listens every week, maybe even watches the movie that was announced last week uh, in preparation for next week's episode, um, you may be surprised when this episode drops. Um that the movie that we're talking about is not Point of Fear, which is what I announced at the end of the episode last week. Um, I've had to move some things around and cheat and break my own rules just a little bit um, for some very good reasons. I actually managed, not expecting much, but I reached out to the writer-director of Point of Fear because um, I just had a question. I was just going to ask him how long it took to shoot the movie. And long story short, there, a conversation ensued that ends with the writer-director of Point of Fear is going to be on the episode with Chris and myself to talk about and make fun of his own movie to his face. <laughs> so, um, But he's he's a writer now he has some writing deadlines and things uh keeping him busy through the holidays so i'm i'm decided to move that episode to uh, make way for his availability a bit because that's not that's an opportunity i couldn't really pass up so i spun the wheel again and um got this week's movie this is our home in 2019 so if you, obviously you weren't prepared to hear an episode on this movie. So feel free, if you're one of those people, stop right now. Or I suppose you saw the title of the episode, so you probably didn't even start it yet until you, but movie first, because we were going to spoil the shit out of this thing. And spoiler alert, this movie secretly kind of slaps. Yes. Yeah. I, I was going to say, you should stop. Go watch the movie before you listen to this episode for yourself, because you should watch this movie. It's a good it's movie. A, it is an interesting, surprising, good movie. It was bound to happen that we would get <laughs> your invention. Oh, yes, Chris Lambert is my guest. Again, this <laughs> hey, um, not a, a lot to make fun of about this movie, because it's not bad. <laughs> it's... Um, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go through the plot and stuff. So if you have not seen this movie yet, it's on Amazon, but it's on Tubi as well, I believe. Whatever your poison is. Um, <clears throat> I would suggest going and watching it before we talk about it. Um, 
It's a relatively new movie. It just came out last year, so there's, you know, there's a decent chance that not a lot of people have seen this. Um, but I would recommend watching it before listening to this. So <clears throat> it's a, a horror movie for sure. Low, low budget, but I don't want to make it sound like low budget. I mean, it's not point of fear. <laughs> I don't know what the budget is, <laughs> but it's definitely an indie, smaller, you know, probably played some film festivals and stuff, but didn't have much of a theatrical release that I know of. Um, but it's one of those nice little gems that you find now and again. I had never heard of it. And now I've watched it twice in the last couple of days. And I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I would actually say, like, if you if you didn't know that this didn't get a wide release, you just found it and watched it, you wouldn't necessarily know that it didn't have a great big budget because it's it still looks really good. That's one of the one of the reasons I'm really kind of excited to do this episode and because like you say it's one of the first times we've had anything that was good and i i really look forward to praising this movie because that's one of the reasons it looks good it's shot really nicely the cinematography is is really good to look at and it's also it's at an hour and 13 minutes it's a breeze i mean there's a couple actually still a couple kind of slow spots in the movie um but it's it's a breeze to watch. It's not going to take much of your time. It gets in and out, does what it's trying to do. Um, builds tension in a very meaningful way. Yes. Without doing much heavy lifting at all. Like it's not, you know, it's not jump scares. It's not half the time you don't know what's going on. There's a surreal dreamlike quality to a lot of it without being like, straight up like David Lynch crazy nonsense. Um, yeah, let's just get into it. There's um, We have a couple, Raina and Corey, and they're, the, the, the beginning is kind of a montage of them. Um, there's lots of times that you'll be in the middle of a conversation and it hard cuts to something else, which is an interesting technique especially especially later on in moments of tension where it's like an instant diffusal there's, there's so much there's a lot going on here there's a lot going on here <laughs> collect my thoughts and keep them in order but um <clears throat> basically the gist of this opening sort of montage is Raina and their couple they seem to be doing well they seem to love each other she finds out she's pregnant. They're in bed discussing names. Um, she's thinking Zeke, which he finds very funny because he was thinking something more like Craig or something. Um, and then have, there's a shot of them getting in the, or driving somewhere in the car and him, her looking not good, her looking very down and him telling her, like, thank you for doing this. And then some more shots of her looking very depressed. So some, something has happened. 
Um, actually, well, we'll, just, we'll just get right into it. I mean, we're spoiling everything anyway, so we'll just get right into it. He has convinced her, despite how happy they looked in parts of that montage, he has convinced her, for whatever reason, to go and get an abortion. And um, there's some mention also of, like, you're handling this better than the other times, which isn't talking about multiple abortions. It's talking about her, some whatever sort of mental health issues or depression that she has. Um, so that's sort of where we find them at the beginning of the film. The two leads are played by uh, Simone Policano is Reina, and Jeff Ayers is Corey. And they're both very good. They have a naturalistic... I mean, it gets a bit mumblecore sometimes. <laughs> they sort of talk over each other, and there are moments when sort of an argument is happening, and the way that they're talking over each other tells you that they're not... They're not actually waiting to hear what the person said. They just know what their next line is, and so they're saying it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's go happening so fast and so over the top, but or not over the top, but over the top of each other. Um, but for the most part, the performances, hers in particular, are pretty good, which is a... I'd even say really good, which is a yeah. of fresh fucking air for this show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because when yeah, was no. the last good performance? Yeah. Huh. Show. Yeah, and I I did want to say I this opening montage hooked me right away. It got me in the movie. It made me go, okay, I'm gonna enjoy this because it's it's already this good. Performance wise, direction wise. And just the the fact that they did so much exposition in a matter of about a minute, two minutes, with no exposition, with very little dialogue, just just atmosphere and feeling that you got what was happening. Yeah, and even if you're not coming out of that montage you know you're not 100 percent clear on what what exactly has transpired what changed you know i mean it's right it's kind of obvious though there are until you know for sure that it's an abortion that's happened there are times through the movie that you might think to yourself i know i did oh did he like punch her in the stomach or something during a fight and that's not <laughs> right because he has anger problems we'll come to find out but yes they very much feel very quickly like a real couple that have yeah. ups and downs but are trying to work through them and do love it. and they just they feel really natural together and that's a hell of an accomplishment to do to pull that off some movies can't pull that off in an entire movie's length and they manage it in this little first two minutes or whatever so it's it's kind of impressive yeah and i i will even go as far as say i i didn't catch on till in the end when they explained the fact that he talked her into getting an abortion i just thought they lost the baby 
And so, and <clears throat> to get slightly personal, just so you know where I'm coming from with my feelings about the movie, I it connected for me because I've been through that. I and Jamie and I, when we first got married, or for quite a few years after we got married, we tried to get pregnant for a long time, and it never happened. We actually did get pregnant and lost a baby. And so, like, I'm telling you this because the way it was shot, the way it was written, the way it was acted, like, I didn't need them to tell me that that was what happened because the the emotion in the scenes were so genuinely portrayed and delivered that I knew right away what the situation was because it, like... I knew that emotion. And so I felt like they did that so well that anyone that's been in that situation immediately goes, oh, I know that feeling. And coming from, yeah, because there's a couple ways up until the very end, there's a couple different ways you could interpret it. It could have been just a miscarriage. It could have been an abortion. It could have been some sort of physical violence, which is, I mean, my, right. my it could be any of those things. You just know... But yeah, yeah, feel very real. That, and so that the, loss. The, yes, a loss. And depending on your own life experience is, you project your own right onto it as an audience member. And so that's kind of cool, too. Um, the only thing that... Because there's that all-important line in that montage of when he sort of kisses her forehead in the car and says, thank you for doing this. Yeah, that, that to me is left where mind. Yeah, until they came back around. Your life experiences, you kind of honed in on a certain idea of what this was because it right. looked and felt familiar to you, and I don't have that. Um, so yeah, that line becomes very important, and that definitely stuck with me. Of like, okay, this is something. Whatever has happened is something he's convinced her to do, or has he's the reason one way or another that they don't aren't pregnant anymore but right so already in the first couple minutes there's so much to think about and you know there's more thought to be had and about the first couple minutes of this movie than in the entirety of the happy hooker goes to watch it like you don't have to <laughs> watch that piece of shit you know so mm -hmm. we're just gonna suck this movie's dick for the next hour i feel like but it's it's not perfect it's not yeah. like it's a piece of you know and there's flaws here and there but it's it's just solid man it's just a solid gem and i was not expecting it when it came up especially when i saw it was on tubi i'm like oh no <laughs> tubi strikes again but you know what hey sometimes there's those gems in there that you never heard of and this is one of them um yes see for me uh i went to prime it actually redirected me to uh to imdb tv to watch it with ads like they have a an agreement with imdb tv where they they you can get to their stuff through prime yeah and so a couple movies that i've done on here i think also which one was it? Well, there was another one that was on Amazon 
and you had to watch it with ads, which is like no deal because there's ads on Tubi too. So it's right, but it's still free to watch. Right. Thing is, I'm never going to give somebody homework for this. Well, I can't. Well, I can't say never because I do have HBO Max. I mean, these are paid services that I have in the rotation as possibilities that movies could be plucked from. So if a movie comes up on HBO Max, I'll have to find a guest who has HBO. You know what I mean? Right. That is always Which, a- by the way, I do not. Okay. Well, good to know. <laughs> so far, it's been... Almost everything has been Amazon Prime so far. A couple yeah. of clicks. Just because there's so much stuff on Amazon Prime that the algorithm that picks the movies for me that's the biggest yeah. pool it's drawing from. So, and there's so much stuff on Tubi too, and there's a lot of crossover between Tubi and Amazon. Uh, boy, we got off track, but <laughs> but I will try. I will always try to. You know, I mean, yeah. If I get a movie that's on HBO Max, I'm going to do it, and people will just have to figure it out. Watch, you know, but. I've been happy so far that because most, maybe not most people, but lots of people have Amazon Prime. Tubi's available to just about anybody because it's free. So I've been happy that it's been, I'm happy that I haven't gotten anything from HBO Max yet or from Shudder yet because those are, not everybody has those. <clears throat> so, okay, whatever has happened has happened. They're going through a, a, a dark time. They've decided they're going to take a road trip to her childhood home, which apparently is just sitting empty. Yeah. Also, that that's another aspect of we, because of surreal and dreamlike things that happen in this movie, I'm not 100% sure what's real and what's not. <laughs> yeah. It's weird yeah. to me that her childhood home is sitting there empty. Did her parents recently die? Are they gone on vacation? Well, she, she says something about her parents being glad that they're that they're there using it. it must, okay, says, so it's probably like her parents' summer home or something. Right. Yeah. That is that is sitting empty. That makes sense. Forgot that that bit. Um, so yeah, so they're gonna go and try to sort of reconnect and just relax and. Um, work on themselves in, in that atmosphere um and he hasn't been there before and there's talk of you know he's glad that she's taking him there and <sighs> then we cut to there on the side of the road they have a flat tire and an argument breaks out immediately and you can see you immediately have a sense of like wow when they are good together they're very good together but when they are bad together it's the most toxic shit you've ever like. There's no happy medium. Like they just don't. They're either real good or real bad, and it's probably lump sum a bad thing that these two people are together because it should never get that bad. Yeah, I was. I was actually gonna say that uh, in this scene and in a couple coming up, and the further you get into the movie, it really starts to feel like. Like the movie's trying to trick you a little bit. Like you, you 
start out going, okay, these guys are pretty happy. They just fight like any couple fights. But as you go through, it kind of feels like like the happy is just surface and the the with at any at every moment you see it almost all the way through the movie any wrong word any wrong phrase and the happy's gone and all the resentment and anger is just right there under the surface waiting to just pop right out absolutely and there and this changes as the movie goes on but mm-hmm. especially for the first half, I would say, it feels pretty even. Like, you're not really taking anyone's side necessarily. Mm-hmm. Times that the fight is happening and you're like, well, he's being a dick right now. And there's times where you're like, okay, well, she's really blowing this out of proportion. So you, you know, it's a pretty even, you're not made to feel like, oh, this poor guy is saddled with this bitch. Like, you know, it's, no. <laughs> it's never like, this guy's such an asshole, why is she with him? You can see that they're both probably good people. They're just not good together. Right. Um, so, yeah, they're having this real dumb argument about where she's, I mean, she's down his neck immediately about getting this. Time. This is a time where you kind of side with him at first because she's really coming at him about fixing this tire in a way that's not helpful and not conductive to helping him fix this tire. Um, A truck pulls over and pulls up behind them Good Samaritan style and these two sort of rednecks get out. And the tension that is built into this scene, which by the end of the movie doesn't really add anything. If you took this scene out of the movie, because at this point, unless you've read the description, you don't know what this movie is yet. You have this couple right. in this house. Is it a haunted house movie? Is it an intruder movie? Is it a whatever? So at this point, you're like, oh, is the rest of the movie them dealing with these two rednecks that have... Because they seem very menacing. From our character's point of view, they seem menacing and scary. From an outside view, they don't. They seem like they're just trying to be helpful. Um, doesn't help that the guy makes a joke about, oh, go get the shotgun out of the truck. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but what you do see character character development wise is that Corey is a bit of a coward. Yeah. Because he there are moments he should stand up to this guy and he is a hang dog looking at the ground, especially the moment when because during their fight he whipped their tire iron out into the woods in frustration. Um and so these these two rednecks are like okay he's gonna help you with the tire i'm gonna take her out in the woods and look for this tire iron and that's the, that as and not like because you're the man but like as a man who loves the woman you're with do not let the, <laughs> even if it's 30 feet away from you and she's still within your sight what are you doing as soon as this guy's like oh she can come with me and go look for the tire and you'd be like no yeah no I will go find, me and her will go find the tire iron. You guys can change my tire if you want. Thank you very much. But you're not walking off into the woods with my girlfriend. Like, that's insane. But yeah. he just lets it happen, even though she's looking at him like, what are you doing? Why is this happening? I don't want to do this. She kind of yeah, doesn't and he... either, though. She kind of goes along with it. But they both seem very frightened. <laughs> 
Yeah. And he just, like you say, he just kind of like looks at his feet. He's like, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, why don't you do that? And she, the look she gives him, oh, my God. I don't know how he didn't immediately go, yeah, no, no, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll go and get the tire ironed because that looked like, you know, when I come back, you are dead. That's a good performance. <laughs> the look she gives him of, like, are you, are you fucking kidding me right now? <laughs> like, who are you? But, yeah, so her and this guy go across the road into the wood and the guy's always like she's like oh, i don't see it. i guess we're good we can go back and he's like no a little further a little further and it's constantly nothing is really happening but the tension that it is building up you're sitting there on the edge of your seat like oh my god what's going to happen what is about to happen are they about to get attacked is it like and nothing is happening some guys are helping them change a tire but it's so between the score and just the way it's edited everything about it you're sitting there biting your nails like it's it's crazy how much it does with so little yeah and i think even in this scene i think it has more to do with the couple than anything i think that i mean we're being presented it that way but i think in a way they're they're giving us (laughs) the the situation through the lens of they're already tensed up and worked up over each other and so this situation feels bad because they're already like that and if they hadn't been fighting maybe this whole situation would have been the guys pull up say hey you need a hand they're like yeah sure and they change change tire and drive off but because they were already in this whacked out tense state of mind over each other it made the situation seem bad yeah, it doesn't help that when the guys pulled up, they throw the tire in the woods. And it's like, well, what do these guys think of us now? Yeah. You know? And there's also maybe it doesn't happen, and I kind of thought it would. Maybe I thought that the sort of the sneaky surprise is going to be that this guy is taking her over into the woods so that he can ask her, like, hey, are you all right? We saw that guy. <laughs> like, he doesn't say that. I kind of wish he would have. It would have been a nice little button to be like, oh, no, these are good guys that are helpful. And they, like, the reason he wanted to separate them was so that he could ask her if she was safe. And that doesn't happen. Yeah. opportunity. I didn't think about that. But that could very well be, uh, like, a subtle what they were actually going for. Could have been. That, but that it's not clear because he never said they're like, Right. But they pulled up and saw the throwing of the tire iron, and they're like, Maybe we need to step in here. And that's why they they insisted on staying, insisted on helping with the tire and all that. So these guys yeah. are actually just really good guys. <laughs> yeah. It just would have been, I think it would have been clearer to, I don't think everything spelled out to me, but it would have been, if that was the intention and not just speculation on our part, it would have been nice if they'd actually thrown that line in just to, you know. Yeah. Keeps sort of edging her further and further into the woods. They do find the tire iron. And then it cuts to they're back on the road. Those guys are gone. So now your thoughts are okay. So that nothing happened there. There was all this tension. And now you're just like, whew. And they're sort of getting along again in the car now because they're have that same sense of tension relief. And now it's like, oh, wow, that was weird, you know. 
Um, but you still don't know what this movie is. You're like, okay, are these guys following them back to the house now? But no, they just—it's not that. It's it has it picks weird moments to put this tension in that doesn't necessarily amount to anything. But what it does is build this orb of tension around the entire movie at all times, so that at any given moment you're like, "What? What is going on? What's going to happen?" Like <laughs> to where things that wouldn't ordinarily a tense scene become a tense scene because everything is tense all the time. Yeah. But not in a, like a nerve-wracking way where it's not enjoyable to watch the movie. Right. Just, I, it's, it's executed very, very well. The maintained nature of the tension throughout the movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. Chivalry is dead, man. When you're letting your... <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm all, you know, women doing it for themselves and all that, but man, you just, you got, you cannot be sending her off into the woods with this dude. I'm sorry. I mean, they didn't go far, but not on my watch. That would never happen. Uh, so they get to the house. She kind of a little bit. And they're, even in this scenes where they seem like they're getting along fine, there's still these little, personality clashes these little tense moments of conversation where like she has she's found some kind of picture and we don't see what it is but she picks up some photograph and she's sort of staring at it for a while and he's like what's that she's like it's nothing he's like no what is that it's nothing whatever it is she doesn't want to tell him and he won't leave her alone and it doesn't turn into a full-blown argument but it's still one of those moments where you can see like a better couple this conversation wouldn't even be happening because either she mm-hmm. would just tell him what she's looking at or he would be like it's none of my fucking business so why am i going to ask her about it and then right after that there's a scene where he just like grabs an apple and starts eating and she's like you should wash those first and he's like what like whatever like sort of and it's not even in like a naggy it almost seems like a fun way but it also like underneath it's like a naggy thing where you can see like he probably hears shit like this all the time and she probably has to put up with him ignoring shit like this all the time mm-hmm. so it's it's these subtle little personality clashes even in like non-argument scenes it's just laying this groundwork for like how dysfunctional this couple is yeah and then yeah here after they have that little scene they have like a another little quiet montage with and here i want to point out really good score work on this movie especially in the the montage scenes the quiet scenes they do a really good job with the score for conveying whatever emotion you're supposed to be feeling at that moment and here we see her like being depressed and him kind of not knowing what to do about it and kind of wanting to comfort her but he's keeping his distance a little and uh and i I think that's another she's like gone out on the roof to sit sort of like out her bedroom window there's like the little sort of mini roof not like the highest point of the roof but you know and she's just sitting out there by herself having some quiet time and he is sitting in the house on the bed just staring at the wall like i don't know what to do right now i don't know how to deal with her right now or how to help her or anything. Um, 
there are the score there are places where the score is odd because it is doing very tense music in things that aren't tense which is where i for me it maybe goes a little too far in the trying to make everything tense all the time when it because there's points where it maybe doesn't need to like you're playing tense music over a scene that is not that tense at all (laughs) yeah but for the most part yeah the score is and the musical choices and stuff are at the very least interesting if not always a hundred percent effective and you get from this montage the sense at least i did um and it kind of follows through the whole movie again very subtly and with no exposition just letting you know about the emotions and the fact that she like i say the the happiness is either surface or very fleeting and she is dealing with with depression at all times during this movie and it's just right underneath we also don't know just with the context that we're given if depression is a thing that she has had that she's dealt with since before they even met or if this is a recent thing that is a obviously it's something he's dealt with before but is it something that has only sort of sparked up and become an issue since the whole pregnancy slash abortion thing one assumes it's something she's been living with always and this is just like pushed it to the next level <clears throat> then um so yeah there's there's just a gulf between them as some of which is caused by her depression and some of which is just the dysfunction that they have aside from that um so he's looking around the house he finds a door at the end of a hallway that has a lock on the outside like just a little sliding lock and he's like what you know what is this what is this room she's like she says it's her dad's old study she's never been inside of it like when she was a kid she wasn't allowed to go in there and then they have another little not quite argument but again a discussion that you don't need to have because you're being pushy with her and she's being evasive with you where he's like okay but you're a grown-up now like you don't have to follow the rules you can go in this room if you want she's like but i don't care to go in like it doesn't matter it was my dad's room i'm sure my mom went in there but i'm like i just haven't been in there i don't care and he's really pushy about but shouldn't we but he winds up leaving it it's weird that there's a lock on the outside of it so they're definitely setting up something by the end of the movie well, not 100 percent what that something is <laughs> but well I was going to say, though, Ed, um, the, this is another example of what you were talking about, where they cut off a scene mid-conversation, where he, we don't really know if he left it or not, because they just, like, they're yelling back and forth. She's not even in frame. She's upstairs. He's downstairs. They're yelling back and forth to each other. And just mid-sentence, it just cuts the next scene. And like, the, like, the movie itself was going, okay, this has gone on long enough. You don't need to hear the rest of this argument. <laughs> Yeah, and then does that a does that a lot, and it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's probably and it, it also putting the audience in the frame of mind that they're probably in of like, oh my god, we've had this fight five times. Can we just get on with it, like, yeah. you know, and get back to something happy? Because yeah, what it cuts to is them 
drinking wine and dancing and being very romantic with each other and nice and sweet with each other. Um, yeah, I had actually written in my notes here a lovely scene, and I, I that is how I feel about it. They this next scene is like the opposite of the last scene. You actually get the feeling in this scene that that they're they do care for each other, and like it's done with this. They're they're dancing, and there's a song that plays over that is a happy song, but it's kind of in a minor key, and so it gives you that we're happy but the problems are still there feeling through the whole scene and it with nothing but music and camera work. It's so well done. Yeah. And you also don't know how much of their in this moment, happy is from the wine. <laughs> like how much of this is <laughs> happiness and how much is legit, but it is a nice, you do get the sense of like, okay, I can see why they got together in the first place. Like, there is there. It's just been buried under mounds of all of this shit that they have to deal with. Um, then they're sort of boozed up. They're laying on the floor, having a conversation where we find out that she had a little brother named Augie who died when they were when she was much younger, and it kind of broke her parents. Um, yeah. Um, which sort of comes up again. It's again, it's one of those things that I'm sure has like a bunch of deeper meaning in the film, and and some of this just because of how surreal it gets. I don't know if it matters or not. Um, see, the writer director of this—that's who I would love to talk because <laughs> I scan. Um, but. Then there's an odd of she's in med school apparently, and they have a little game they play. He doesn't care for it, but she talks him into it apparently. That's like practice for med school for her, where she takes a raw steak, lays it on his forehead, and cuts into it while you know, like, and I'm now cutting into the whatever the you know, making the incision in the four portal pro whatever you know medical terms medical jargon um he doesn't care for it it's a lot of fun for her apparently and she's cutting this steak while it's on his forehead so she's like practicing doing brain surgery or something um yeah. but and this i think is another subtle nod to the fact that they have trust issues because like he's he puts up with it for about three seconds and then he's he's doing the panicky. Oh, you're you're pushing the knife too hard. Okay, you need to stop now. You need to stop now. And she's just like, no, look, you, you it's fine. I can do this. You can trust me. He's like, nope, 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 stop. <laughs> but it's also the first sign, and it'll become a much graver and pertinent situation as the film goes on. But it's also you you can't tell if it's just that he's being a panicky idiot and a baby about it or maybe she is actually pushing this knife too hard and she can he can feel it because she does have issues with him she has some mental health problems so we don't know if there has been a situation before where they did this and she took it too far mm -hmm. we don't know we're very much on a bubble of like is he being paranoid or is she a little sketchy <laughs> she, 
well, gets more and more sketchy as we go. So. It's something that, especially, I'm glad, because I'm, I'm glad I watched it twice to really soak in it, because watching it the second time, knowing where it goes, like, this scene is kind of sort of forgettable when the first time you see it, but then the second time when you're watching it, you're like, oh, right, this scene, and, you know, mm-hmm. coalesces a bit um, on the second one. Um, yeah, so they now, this is, their fun time is devolved into argument. They go to bed. They're sleeping. No, he he goes to bed. She's still yeah, he like he, he passes out on the couch and she's just like staring at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she starts hearing this banging. And so she's running through the house trying to figure out where this banging's coming from. And it's coming from the other side of that locked on the outside, her dad's study room that she's never been. So now at this point, you're like, okay, so it's not a home invasion movie. The truck the rednecks aren't coming back. Is this a now haunted house movie? Is that what we're doing? Kind of, sort of, but no, kind of not. <laughs> um, she's just about to investigate that when now the banging is coming from the front door. So she runs back downstairs. She wakes up Corey. He grabs a knife from the kitchen. They're kind of arguing back and forth, even at the front door of like, no, you get it. Like, you no, you sit over here and I'll get it. What are you doing with the, you know? Um, and he whips open the door. We don't see who's there, but then we cut to, they're in the kitchen, they're sitting at a table and it's a little boy. Hold on, before we go on, yes. I, I'm sorry. I do want to say, um, just cause I don't think you did say it. Um, she does open the door. And I think that that is important later, and I'll I'll bring that back up later. But she she opens the door, <sighs> you're right. pulling it open, and there's a loud like it's super loud creaking, and then the banging comes on the front door, and she immediately forgets right. about it, goes to see about the front door. Correct. Yeah, she opens the door, and all we can see is beyond it is just a pitch black space. We don't know what's in there. You're correct. I guess yeah, that probably is important. Um, <laughs> All things considered. Um, yeah, so the person that's banging on the door is this kid. He's got kind of long hair. He's probably, I don't know, 12, 11, 12 years old. Um, they made some strange decisions in casting this child. And I'm not, I'm not casting aspersions on this child. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to say anything mean. But considering how deliberate everything else in this movie is, there are things about this child that had to be on purpose when you cast him that are odd and a bit baffling to me. Number one, he only has four fingers on one hand or two of his fingers are like fused together and it's not a makeup thing. Like if you look at it like... Oh yeah, no. You see him holding the glass of milk, you're kind of staring at it like, hold on a second, does that kid have only three fingers and a thumb? And yeah, he does. That's a decision. You didn't have to cast that kid. Like, you did that on purpose. A kid came in to read for this part, and you went, that kid only has four fingers. You know what I mean? So there's mm-hmm. something on purpose there. I don't know what. But it is, other than adding to the sort of surreal, and they don't draw attention to it. There's never, like, a close-up of it. It's sort of a thing that you might not even notice. 
but you can definitely see it when he's holding the glass of milk they give him. But yeah, his two middle fingers are sort of like just one big finger, like a Ninja Turtle or something. <laughs> like so, this yeah. actor has this actual. Is deformity a bad word nowadays? I don't know. Mm, I don't think so. I don't know. But whatever, this physical attribute about him. So that's a purposeful thing you have made. And you don't draw attention to it, but it's there. And it's adding something. He also has an odd accent. Yes. <laughs> they don't have accents of any sort. I don't know what this accent is. It's not. It's the accent and sort of the intonation of the way that he speaks. This child sounds strange. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, at times, like an alien from another planet who has just learned words. Like it's. <laughs> and then, but again, that's a decision you made. It's not a bad performance on the kid's partness. He's not always great, maybe, but. You picked a kid who talks like that on purpose. You picked a kid with a hand like that on purpose. So you're you're aiming for something. Even if it's just to be unsettling and add a sense of weirdness to this child, which it works. Because this kid is yeah. fucking weird. Um, I, I will say that I, I think he, he was a really good actor. I think that, I mean, there were lines that, I mean, didn't quite land or anything, but he, I thought he did really good at switching back and forth from seeming like a perfectly normal child to being really friggin' creepy. Oh yeah, this is a classic creepy. Almost, almost without doing anything. <laughs> like the the wall is very thin. Yeah. <laughs> but adding and adding to that is the way that he talks. I'll probably play the. We'll get to the apple shampoo song. I'll probably play that <laughs> at the beginning of the episode. But he just does like. He says weird things and he says them in a weird way and this kid is a little creep and I don't care for it <laughs> in a good way I mean like it just it adds to the unsettling tension of everything um, yeah this kid said he ran away because daddy hurt him and he he's got a cut on his arm he does have a cut on his arm which we assume that they bandaged it for him we don't see that, but yes. We, and they ask what what happened, and he says, "Daddy hurt me, or Daddy did it." Um, and then it gets really creepy because they bring him a glass of milk, and the and Ray sets it down in front of him, and he goes, "Thanks, mommy." Yeah, he starts calling. And this is where mommy. <laughs> things take a turn. <laughs> And she she seems taken aback by it for a second, but then kind of just rolls with it. Corey's having it. <laughs> he wants nothing to do with this kid from minute one. Um, he's, yeah, he's like, whoa, don't call her that. That's weird. <laughs> um, and they go and have a discussion off to the side that we don't here but it amounts to him being like why are you calling the like call the police they can come and get this kid this kid is not our problem this kid is not our business he should not be here in the middle of the it's like three in the morning this kid should not be here um they come back to the table she asks him what his name is and he says don't you remember his name is zeke 
And at this point, Corey says, peace out, I'm going to bed. This <laughs> like, he literally says, okay, you got this? Because I'm going to bed. This is too freaky for him. Yeah. This kid showed up at their door, whose name Zeke, which is what they were going to name their kid. He's calling her mommy. He doesn't know what's going on, but something's fucking weird. And he just, he's willing to just let her handle it and <laughs> go back to bed. He's not prepared to deal with it. I, myself, I would have more questions. Yeah, and there was a moment, and I don't really know. I just wanted to mention it because it doesn't seem to go anywhere, really. But there's a weird little moment where he's, he's they're asking him what's going on. They've got him on the couch now. They're asking him what's going on. He says, or they're, he says, I'm, I'm sorry I ran away. And he kind of gets distracted all of a sudden. Like he looks off to the side, like he heard something. They yeah, don't there's hear like, anything. There's like a little musical sting, like almost like a jump scare musical sting. There's no, there aren't any jump scares in this movie, which I'm happy for that. There's one that comes <laughs> real close. It's almost like an anti jump scare. We'll get to it. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's like the jump scare, like musical sting, like, like a quick little like violin note or something. And the kid like jerks his head and looks at nothing. And they kind of look over where he's looking, like, what is he looking at? And then we don't mention it again. And then, yeah, he says, I'm sorry I ran away. And immediately he goes back to calling them mommy and daddy. And that's when Corey's like, okay, I'm out, going to bed. Well, it's, and... when, it's, when, he, it's when he says his name is Zeke, is when he really oh, yeah, that's right. is that's like, right. nope, <laughs> no thanks, good night. I'm out of this conversation. Um, so he goes to bed, she's hanging out with the kid. Um, well, at some point she must have put Zeke to bed because he comes in, he now has like the full, like the red flap ass pajamas, like the full body <laughs> pajamas. Um, and this is, again, this isn't like a little kid, but he's probably like you know, 12, 13 years old. Um, but he comes in with a flashlight and says a monster turned the power off. You know, then the power has gone out and they didn't notice. So she gets up with him. Um, Ray and Zeke are kind of wandering around the house with flashlights. Um, do they go? Well, they go and look at the basement. They go. Yeah, and she like. Like, she is strangely into this now. Like, she's just playing with him now, playing games. And, like, she comes up behind him and, oh, you know, and I scared you, huh? And they go upstairs. And she is instantly maternal. Yes. Which makes, given what we're dealing with here, makes sense <laughs> in a way. And it, all, and it, it also adds to the surreal... And dreamlike, because this is such an odd situation that is looking at some reviews and stuff of it, not like professional reviews, but like on Letterboxd and on IMDb. There were so there were a lot of bad reviews of people saying like, no one in this movie acts like anyone would ever act. Like you wouldn't do that if a kid showed up at your house. You'd be like, right? <laughs> like I know, but it's it's not meant to be. It's it's 
again, it's surreal. I keep using the words, but it's surreal and it's dreamlike. Yeah. You don't know what's what necessarily and what's real, what's in her head, what's, you know. So mm-hmm. it, that's not a complaint to level at this movie, I don't feel. No. Um, and... He <laughs> asks if power's still out and z asks if he can do her makeup <laughs> an odd again this kid is a fucking weirdo man <laughs> she's like oh yeah i guess okay and he like they sit down pulls her purse out, gets her makeup out and like does her makeup and it's just such a strange thing for him to ask a strange thing for her to accept but her and zeke are having all these little fun Mommy's son adventures right in the dark house while Corey's passed out upstairs. Um, and adding to the surreal, there's there's all these little moments where he says stuff that is very telling and moves the, you know, what the hell is happening here plot along. And she, because of her, her situation, her mental state, just kind of rolls with it. Like, he... He says, while he's putting on her makeup, he says, why did you let daddy hurt me? And she doesn't immediately go, what are you talking about? That never happened. She just says, you know, I, you know, I would never let anyone hurt you. Yeah. And he says, but he still did. And then she just kind of changes the subject. Like, let's not talk about this, which I understand. You're trying to keep the kid calm. You're trying to just get through to morning or whatever. So you're just, you want to change the subject, but it's just one of those moments that's, like you said, very surreal and just kind of passed off. Just kind of, let's move on. Yeah, at no point is she like, okay, kid, go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) Stop saying weird stuff and being a creep and go to bed. I don't know. While it, I mean, you told a personal story. I will too. Uh, there was a time some years ago when Carrie and I were doing a respite foster care. So, like, if there was an emergency, I, I can't get into too much specifics. So, let's say someone, let's say a woman was pulled over at a DUI at two in the morning and had her kid in the car. That kid has to go somewhere. Right. Yeah. They would, you know, they would call us at two in the morning. Hey, you know, we got this little kid can you take him till morning whatever um and so we did and so this little girl was brought by the police to our house probably like a three-year-old girl um and she shook up because police just took her mom away in handcuffs carrie was exhausted and i was like i got this it's cool you can go back to bed and i sat watching nick jr shows with the child i have never met before you know, and I was trying to like, oh, you, you want to lay down on the sofa and go to sleep, you know? And but she was too still kind of amped up and shook up. And now she's in a weird place with weird people she doesn't know. So I sat for until like dawn with this kid I've never met watching Nick Jr. shows, you know, and it was perfectly pleasant and fine. But that's an that's an odd experience. But I can tell you if that kid had turned to me and been like, <laughs> Hey, Daddy, can I do your makeup? Or you know, started <laughs> saying creepy shit. I would have been like, Hey, kid, you know what? Go to sleep. <laughs> turn the TV off now. We're done with Paw Patrol. 
<laughs> fucking sleep because I'm not listening to this. So that would be a real life version of the situation, which uh, Reina is not doing. She's rolling with all of it. Um, some kind of flashlight hide and seek, and she can't find him. And she gets upstairs, and at the end of the hall, that study door is hanging open, pitch black room beyond, and she seems scared to go in there. I don't know if they're building into this some sort of insinuation about something happened between her and her father. I don't know. There's something, there's a lot of weight given to the fact that this was her dad's study and she wasn't allowed in there. To the point that, as an adult, she is frightened to go in that room. Yeah. Like, she is scared to go in there. So I don't know if it's insinuating some sort of, like, does part of her mental health issues come from being abused by her? I don't know. Maybe I am just have a dark mindset and I went there. But it's weird. She's frightened of this room for kind of no reason. So it feels like there's some context or backstory to that yeah i, I just kind of got that maybe like because of what what goes on in the movie maybe she knew that like her dad went in there and like he would come out acting funny or something so that room scared her i don't know they don't that like could... you say they couldn't go into it yeah that could be and we also don't know how her little brother augie died true they do so not that could have that. something to do with the room as well. Yeah. And in a minute, it what happens kind of would almost support that theory. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she she sees his flashlight laying outside the door, and she's creeped up to the door, doesn't want to go in. And you just hear this super creepy little kid whisper, come inside, Mommy. And <laughs> yeah, here's where the creep factor gets turned up about a thousand because yes zeke is in this dark room he's calling to her telling her to come in and find him she's like i don't want to go in there it's dark i don't like it but he convinces her to do it she goes in and as soon as she goes in on its own the door slams shut and locks behind her and her lantern goes out yes by itself so we now have what is probably two minutes of just pitch black screen while we hear dialogue which usually annoys me in movies when they do stuff like that depend i guess depending on how it's done but it's done very well here yes because it's pitch black it's her at first banging on the door and screaming for corey to come let her out that doesn't happen so she starts to so you just hear her breathing and you hear zeke talking to her or her having a conversation with zeke you know her saying like i don't want to play this game anymore this isn't fun anymore i don't like the dark you know, let's go out of here. Yeah, and, and I think he gets even creepier here just through, I mean, like you say, you can't even see him. It's just dialogue. But just the way he responds to her when she's like, she's like, this isn't fucking funny. We, you need to let me out of here. And he just very straight, just dry, just says no. Yeah. And that, I like, I got chills. I was like, <laughs> oh, God, just kidding. Yeah, he says no, and then he refers to it as the deep room. Yes. 
which is the first time we've heard that phrase. We don't know what it means. It instantly made me think of Get Out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't remember exactly what the... the he, he starts talking about, about... He starts talking about Augie, which he should not know about. He says... He says something about Augie's here, don't you miss him? And she starts freaking out. She's like, this isn't fucking funny. She starts banging on the door, yelling for Corey again. And then you hear Augie, tiny little kid voice, say, hi, Raina. And I, <laughs> again, I got a little, I got really creeped out. Pants shitted. Because <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was watching this with headphones. So this is all oh, going no. directly into my ear. <laughs> See, and here's the downside to... I watch everything with subtitles on, not because I'm hard of hearing or anything, but because just there there are countless, so many times that I've watched a movie that I've seen a dozen times, but never with the subtitles on before. I'm like, oh, that was the line that I've been misquoting all these years because, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just... It's just easier to understand everything. Like, it's just, I like having subtitles on. And so having the subtitles on for this, when the little voice says, hi, Reina, in brackets in front of it, it says Augie. So you know, like, there's no, if you had any, if you weren't clear on who's talking to her, the subtitles cleared that up for you. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there was no doubt in my mind. I didn't have to question it. I knew before he said anything that Augie's about to say something, which was weird but it's so something serious is going on with this room then we cut to powers back on Zeke is just dancing by himself both like jumping and dancing on the sofa Raina's nowhere in sight this kid's being creepy he's not even being creepy he's dancing like a goofy kid dancing but because it has yeah. like eerie choir music over the top of it and we don't know where she is the power's back on for no reason and for like 45 minutes straight we're just watching this kid silently dance it's fucked up like yeah you're like what is going on right now i don't mind it but what is going on <laughs> so Corey wakes up has no idea the power even went out presumably right he's calling out to ray he can't find ray He's calling over the house for her. He goes out of the kitchen. Here's Zeke sitting at the kitchen table. And from somewhere, he's gotten three little, like, almost, they're not, but almost like Playmobil toys. Mm -hmm. And it's like a mommy, a daddy, and like a little kid. And he has the little kid, like, stomping, bang, 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 on the dad toy. That's what he's <laughs> on. Fucking kid again. Um, and he, I don't remember which line comes first well he's like he's like where's rain he's like i'll tell you after we after you do something for me he's like no kid just tell me where rain is he's like no 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 so sit down we're gonna have some milk tea which is mommy's favorite drink and <laughs> Corey's like this is stupid and it's it's hilarious to me that you think that lactose intolerance mommy uh his favorite drink is milk tea and there's a whole conversation about what does lactose intolerance mean you know to where it almost seems like 
Well, I won't go that far. I won't say he's warming up to the kid because he's not. He's very much trying to brush this kid off and get on with it. But he is conversing with him instead of grabbing him in a shirt and shaking him. Um, and he's like, oh, it means that like if she ate milk or cheese, she, she would fart. And the kid laughs. He's like, yeah, that's real, you know, it's funny. Now tell me where Raymond is. Um, and the kid says something about, did, did you ever tell mommy that you still have Amanda's phone number or something like that? something about Amanda's phone. Right. So there's some girl that Corey's been in contact with that Raina doesn't know about at some point in the past, and this kid knows about it. So it's a, another instance of this kid knowing things he should not know. And I mean, I, it's pretty obvious at this point what's going on with this kid. Like, if you haven't figured it out by now, <laughs> you know, this is the aborted kid. Like, come on. Yeah. It's well, yeah, and there's the there's a line that... that uh jumped out at me that was before this when he first comes in the kids bashing the toys together the kid just randomly from nowhere when he's like hey where's Raina he says how many of us did you take from mommy which it's just like a wow wait what type of line which you know if you have been watching you put the whole thing together it makes a lot of sense but he Corey having just woken up is just like what what are you talking about you know just brushes it off okay and you know what that makes me rethink i didn't i mean i heard that line but it didn't connect for some reason in my brain until just this moment earlier on when Corey says to reyna this has been so much like you're doing much better this time than the other two times I assumed he was talking about like her mental Ill illness or depression flare-ups. But that line now leads me to believe that he has talked her into multiple abortions. Yes? Right. Yeah, that's what I got from it. Lands a whole different... I don't know. That's... Wow. Okay. I guess it could yeah. be either or. But that, yeah, that is a weird line... You wouldn't have that there for no reason. So that. Right. And that's why I say like this stuff, like you get to put the pieces together as you go through the movie. Yeah. And when that line drops. Or like, much later, <laughs> just now. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so like they start, it's like they start off trying to make you think, you know, whatever happened was an accident or it was just one time. And then as you go along, you get to see that, no, this guy really, really isn't such a great guy. If he's like forcing her into things that she didn't want to do, knowing how much she wanted kids and all this stuff, and well, this and is I think I guess the anger. reason, yeah, I guess the reason that that never occurred to me, or that that line didn't, I I was that I was thinking it was multiple mental health issues springing up, not multiple abortions that have happened. Because you would, if, if, if being talked into an abortion by him has had this effect on her, how has it happened more than once? Which I know, I don't want that to sound like a victim blaming thing, but you know what I mean? Like you would think you wouldn't have gotten past the second one before right. your, this relationship collapsed under its own weight. And she never there's a point later on when kind of everything has come to a head. I don't know. She's cause she says, you're the reason 
that I'm not pregnant anymore, which to me right. connotation of like a single instance, a one time. You would think at that moment she would say like you that this has happened multiple times. I don't know. There's a lot that's yeah. that's unclear in here, and there's it's open for interpretation, yeah. and that's what makes it cool because none of the other movies that we've done have layers <laughs> this is the only movie with <laughs> subtext yeah every other movie is just and text it's definitely the most subtle movie we've watched like they they don't really feel the need to explain much of anything to you they're just like well you're gonna get this because we're pretty clear on it there's no like i say like almost no exposition in this movie and i like that because i get really tired of a ton of exposition in movies yeah there's no real exposition dump there's no like scene of him you know after they've gotten to the house and he's on the phone back to his mom or something like oh you know we're here at the house because she's down about the you know none of that they let you pick it up as you go just with what they're showing you and that's yeah it works um so zeke spills this hot milk tea that he's made on his own on the stove which Corey also didn't get before on Corey's leg and he's like gosh and he smacks this kid like open hand hard it's like yes. that and it happens so fast and you're like oh shit okay between the throwing the tire iron and this this is the first instance where, because up until now, you're like, this guy just doesn't have patience for this stuff. He doesn't like kids. He's, you know, he doesn't seem like, and he seems like her, the two of them together are toxic, but maybe with someone else, he could be, you know, he's probably a good guy at heart. But to smack this stranger, this child who is not your child, I mean, it wouldn't be good if it was his child either, but no, it's a hard ass open hand drop, like knocks this kid almost across the room, smack in the face. Yeah. It comes and, as such and, a gut reaction to having this hot tea spilled on him that you know that like, oh, that's not the first time that's happened. Right. And Corey, someone who will hit you at the drop of a hat. Yeah, and Corey's reaction tells you that, too. He doesn't, oh, God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, or any of that. He just sits there and lets the kid get up and walk away crying, and then he kind of goes over to him, sits on the stairs next to him, and is like, hey, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I'm just tired, and it's been a weird night. Like, there's no heartfelt apology. There's no freak out of, oh, shit, I just slapped the kid. It's just, ah, I, I better go apologize. Well, yeah, and even during that apology scene, it's shot from above, and they're sitting on the staircase, and you see he kind of slides his hand up the kid's back, like, to the back of his neck, which at first looks like a sort of a comforting, like, it's so, yeah. it's so fucking subtle you could miss it, but he's got, he has his hand on the back of the kid's neck while he's saying sorry, and then he's also like, just please tell me where Raina is, and you can see the muscles in his arm tensing up. Yeah. Like, he's preparing to choke the shit out of this kid. Like, he's putting pressure on this kid's neck. And it's so... Yeah. You, you could miss it. It's so... I think if you were watching it on a small enough screen, you might not even see it. Thank God I have a giant TV. Yeah. But it's so... It's unnerving because you're like... At this point in the movie, you still... You don't know 
what's happening, what is going to happen, there's a very real possibility this man might kill this child. Yeah. Because we very much have turned on Corey at this point because he is... <laughs> yeah. He is showing colors of himself that we... that he had kept under, you know. Um, but yeah, just... It's, it's crazy to watch. You can see... It is such a good piece of acting because he's not... You can't see their faces. It's shot so well. So you can't see that, like, oh, the kid's in pain. You don't see anger on Corey's face. You only see the top of their heads. But you can see his arm on the back of this kid's neck, and you can see the muscles starting to tense up in his arm, and it's so crazy to watch. It's so... Yeah. It's good. The more I talk about it, the more I like... This movie's fucking good, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, so... Finally, Zeke tells him, he says she's she's upstairs yeah. in the deep room. Which, which, I mean, he doesn't know what that means. But he doesn't he know what that upstairs. is, but he gets the gist. He goes up, that door is hanging open, and here's the part that, in a lesser movie, would have been like a huge jump scare. It's setting it up to be a jump scare. I'm sitting there staring at my TV expecting a jump scare. Mm -hmm. Opposite of it, and it makes it creepier somehow. He's there, yeah. he's looking into this black space, and he's telling her, like, please come out and talk to me. And she's like, no, you come in here and talk to me. And he's like, no, 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 I want us to go somewhere and talk in private. She's like, this is private, no one's here. And what you're expecting is that, like, she's going to come rushing out of the dark or something, or something's going to happen. But the way that she slides out of the dark, like, she's like, yeah. foot out like a dancer, and then steps out to meet her own foot is so it's almost scarier than if like a fucking werewolf had come run like it's right. such a weird way for her to come out of that room yeah like it would be it's so much stranger than if like just like her hand had come around the corner and gripped the door or if she had stuck her head around or or yeah had come running full tilt out of the she just like her foot comes out like a dance move, and then she like slides out of the dark. To, it's so subtle and disconnected. Is the word? I thought it, it also worked really well the way they shot it because she's wearing like black tights that end at the knee and a black shirt. So her pale white lower leg comes out of the pitch black, and you can't even really see the rest of her leg until the rest of her body comes out. It was. It was very, yeah. <laughs> that added to the creepiness, I thought, the way they shot at that. And yeah, it's it's like the opposite of a jump scare but that works so much better than a jump scare would. And it's yes. unsettling, and it's really awesome. Um, while, this is, while this conversation is happening upstairs, now we get <laughs> the Apple Shampoo song. I don't know what the <laughs> clip is we're getting, I swear to God. It's Zeke standing in the mirror. He's singing this weird ass song about apple shampoo pretty good singer this kid yes i was i made a note of that and he's putting on lipstick he's standing in the mirror singing this song to himself about apple shampoo and putting her lipstick on and it's so bizarre like it's not a scary thing it's just an odd thing and it's shot as if it weren't an odd thing it's shot and presented to you as if this is a normal shit you see in movies all the time but it's not it's fucking weird and that <laughs> so much more 
creepy and unsettling. You don't know why you're seeing what you're seeing. Yeah, and it, like I say again, with the camera work and the the direction, like they just they like slowly as he's singing the song, they just push in until like you're almost like right on top of him, and all you can see in the mirror is his shoulders and face. But you don't even really almost notice the camera move happening because it happens so slow. Yeah, there's until a... you're like right in his face, and you're like, oh, they've zoomed in, but. And I thought we would. I thought this would be a short episode because we didn't have anything. <laughs> God, there's so much here. There's so much to talk about. We got good movies more often. Uh, now we cut to the bedroom. She's trying to put. She's being very caring. She's trying to put Vaseline on his burn. Um, he's being a real puss about it. He's oh gosh, ow, ow, ow! Stop it! Don't touch it! Mm. And um, says. Why are you? I don't remember the exact line, but it's something like, "Why are you so against our boy?" And he goes, "What did you say?" She goes, "Why are you so against the boy?" And he goes, "That's not what you said." <laughs> like she snuck one in. Um, yeah. And then it's kind of like a forgive, like she starts. Well, she tries. She tries to make out yeah. with him. Yeah. She's trying to make out with him, and it's going okay for five or six seconds then he's like no 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 like now's not the time for this get off of me um and here's where she yeah loses kind of yeah, he's he, shouting at him and she says what's wrong with you and yeah. she goes off <laughs> yes and she's yeah basically you know she says for however many years you and this plays back into him being such a like a chump at the tire changing incident with the rednecks yeah she says you know for so many years you haven't had shit to say about anything you've had no opinion about anything until this one thing you had such a strong opinion and you're the reason i'm not pregnant anymore and that's when you're like oh okay if you didn't get it already now you get it this is what the animosity is this is yeah and her performance in this scene uh, just reminds me again of, of that I really think all of the the acting in this movie is really good. Like the scenes that aren't surreal when they're talking, it's it's how people talk. It doesn't sound like a script. It doesn't sound like, you know, these people are acting. It sounds like two people talking. And this moment here where she just, she finally just lets out all this anger that she has been sitting on and letting her, and letting depress her. And it all just blows up in this one moment. And her performance in that scene was freaking great. Yeah, and she's staring right down the barrel of the camera at you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really well done. She's the MVP of the movie, for sure. I think she's <laughs> solid throughout. Um, but then she's like, oh, I'm so, you know, I'm sorry I said that. I shouldn't have said that. And they kind of make up and say, I love you and kiss. And everything seems to very quickly have simmered down again. Um, and he talks her into calling the cops. And so we see her on the phone, supposedly <laughs> calling the cops. Now, in the moment, you would think to yourself, like, you, you would be forgiven that she is actually calling the police to come and get this kid. 
Um, by the end of the movie, we know she clearly did not actually call the police, and she's pretending <laughs> on the phone because um, she gives them their address and stuff. And she's doing it just to appease him, and has no intention of actually calling the police. Yeah. Um, then he's like, "Okay, do you want me to stay up with you till the cops get here?" And she's like, "No, you know, I got this. Go back to bed. It's fine. I don't mind hanging out with the kid and say I love you again." And then there's a really cool shot of he goes upstairs and we the camera's tracking along the ceiling following with his footprints or his footsteps upstairs. We can hear yeah. his footsteps all the way, all the way, all the way to where you're like, well, what is the purpose of this shot? Until we come over to the other side of the room and pan down and there is Ray and Zeke sitting on the sofa staring up at the ceiling where he's where his footsteps were and they both look so angry like they both look like they have gone off the deep end and they are yeah they hate him so much <laughs> just <laughs> footsteps from upstairs is making them angry it's such a good shot yeah um he wakes up next time he wakes up because he hears some shouting or whatever. He gets up, and here's where the dream shit really gets. And it's, again, not in, like, a there's weird, like weird special effects stuff. It's just such an odd fucking thing for people to be doing, to be in this movie, to stumble upon in the middle of the night. He gets up. He goes in the bathroom. They have filled the tub with milk tea, and they're playing some kind of weird stab the apple game. They both have pairs of scissors and they are stabbing into this bathtub full <laughs> like savagely, like fast and hard and dangerously trying to stab an apple that's in there somewhere. Yeah, he says it's a, like, he says it's a monster egg and whoever stabs the monster egg yes. wins. And she, yeah, she does like a fake out like, oh, oh god, like she got cut but then she's like, oh, I'm just kidding you. And Corey's standing there looking at them like, what the fuck are you doing? Why is this kid still here? Why is the bathtub full of milk? <laughs> what am I looking at right now? Which is the proper response for maybe the, <laughs> the movie? Maybe has a proper response to something. Well, other than maybe you should call the cops to get them here to pick up this kid. But, like, he is dumbfounded by, as am I, watching it. Like, what is this game you're playing at three in the This is crazy. He's trying to take the scissors away from her. And he gets stabbed with these scissors in a way that is, oh, again, so, like, it's not like, oh, he got stabbed, like, oh, he got stabbed in the arm. Like, they went, here's a good chunk of their production budget, is this, <laughs> make a shot. because imagine the way that he is stabbed with these scissors is like, imagine, think of Assassin's Creed, the blade that pops out of their sleeve, that, but in reverse, going into your arm. <laughs> yeah. his from the back of his hand up into his arm like vertically this pair of scissors has gone like under the skin with just the handles sticking out it's repugnant yeah. it's so oh my God. it makes you go oh oh like because you weren't expecting it because you see him kind of wince and like pull away like so you know he's been hurt but you're expecting to see like a cut or maybe the scissors are like sticking out of his leg but no they are embedded 
lengthwise in his arm, and you can see it under his skin. It's so fucking crazy. It's such a good skin like moment that you didn't. And it, yeah, it's very well done. It does not look fake at all. It looks like they jammed a pair of scissors under his skin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's he's freaking bleeding out. Yeah, he's bleeding. <laughs> um, and and the uh, again the whole dream likes real thing. He stumbles out of the bathroom and like pulls out the scissors and starts wrapping his arm, and they're nowhere. They didn't like follow him in. Hey, are you okay? They just went back to their game, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because he yeah he wraps his arm up, and then we see a quick shot of him like kind of gathering up his stuff, like packing up his shit because it's time to go. And he comes back into the room, and the kid is Zeke is sitting at the table, and he's like, "I got the monster egg," and he's got this apple and a pair of scissors. <laughs> and he's like, "Let's go. Let's let's just go. Like, I'm not even waiting for the cops to get this kid. Like, we like, obviously, I need to. He doesn't say I need to go to the hospital, but it's like we need to go. And he's very, well, and very coolly like patting, like, "No, it's okay. Just let me show you something first, and then we'll go." Which right off the bat, your big heart like. That's an inhuman reaction to this situation. <laughs> He's gone somewhere. She is somewhere else right now. Yeah. Well, and and honestly, I think another telling thing is that I don't think I don't think he says we need to go. He says I I gotta go. I'm yeah, going. You're right. Yes. And she's like she's like okay you can go but hold on a second before you go. I have to show you something. And he's like, no, what the fuck are you talking about? I have to go. And she's like, no, 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 no. It's okay. And like, like speed talking, like yeah. super excited. I think it'll make you feel better. Just come and look at this thing. Yeah. It'll make you feel better before you go. Like, what's going to make me feel better about the scissors I just pulled out of my arm and I'm bleeding. Like, I've lost a lot of blood already. Yeah. And this and is a, another. Another cut to. Yeah. Another sharp and, cut. Yeah, they he's in the middle of a sentence. And it just... They are pulling him down the hallway on a blanket. There's a lamp that's knocked over. We didn't see this lamp get knocked over, but apparently there's been some sort of scuffle because at the bottom of the stairs in this hallway, there's a lamp that's laying on the floor. Zeke and Ray are have Corey on a, like a big comforter, and they're pulling him down the hallway. And he starts to wake up. He's got a gash on the side of his head. And Ray says, or Zeke is like, oh, he's waking up. And Ray grabs Corey's head, and she's like, okay, you're going to have to hit him again, but remember how I showed you, not, like, don't do it here in the middle of the forehead, because what did I say? And Zeke's like, because it'll give him brain damage. <laughs> and he's like, right here at the pressure point. So whatever, I don't know if it's a hammer or what, but... Well, and then she... Seeing them knock him out, which is almost... At par for the course for this movie, it kind of makes it more effective because you've just jumped. Yeah. It's well, and also, but it's as if because that's the moment his consciousness ended. Like he was in the middle yeah. of the conversation, and then next thing he knew, he was on a blanket in the hallway because he got this kid pegged him from behind. <laughs> he didn't see it, so neither did we. Yeah, see, that's what I love about it is every other time in the movie, that's just how they chose to edit it. So you think, oh, that's what happened here again. Until you see them pulling him, you're like, oh, no. It cut because he he's unconscious. <laughs> and they hit him again. And then we have another hard cut. He's now in the attic or the basement. 
Maybe it's the basement. I, it might have been the basement, yeah. He's tied to it. He has another huge gash on his head and his eyes swollen shut. He is tied to a chair with like a bunch of extension shit. And Ray and Zeke are standing there, calm as you please. And he's like, untie me. Untie me. <laughs> and they're like, no, we have to have a procedure first. And he's like, what are you talking about? Just untie me. And he's crying and like begging. She's like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this ice pick. <laughs> and she explains to him a lobotomy. She's going to give him a lobotomy. She has an ice pick and a chisel. And he's like, no, 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 no. And she's like, let me just ask you one question first. And what, what is the question she asked? I didn't write it down. Oh, uh, hold on. I think I wrote it down. It's probably important. <laughs> um oh she she just she says she just asks will you go into the deep room with us oh right and he's he basically declines by just yelling over and over again untie me untie me and he calls her the c-word yeah he does and that brings things to a screeching halt it does her then... her smile drops off and he immediate i'm sorry I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe when you're tied to a chair in a room with a apparently crazy woman, <laughs> it's not the time to be calling her the C word. <laughs> like, there's never a good time for it. That's the worst time for it. <laughs> um, yeah, and he says, I love you. And then he immediately, like, it dawns on him that, like, the time for lying is over. This is, we're in some real shit right now. It's truth time. And he says, no, I don't love you. I used to, but I don't. And I wanted, I never wanted kids. You did. I thought we could, I thought I could change. I thought I would change my mind and we could do it to make you happy, but it never happened. And I don't want kids. I don't want your kid specifically, he says. So he's now been honest for the first time in a while. Um, doesn't save him though because <laughs> she's like well that's good to know zeke go hold his head back so the kid grabs him by the hair and pulls his head back and we don't we don't see it which probably maybe they blew all their budget on that scissor gag but we see her put the chisel up to his eye and raise the or the ice pick up to his eye and raise the chisel and then we cut again to uh well first Nope. Does that? She asks Zeke, um, "Will this, will the deep room still oh, yeah. on him if we do this?" Um, and Zeke says, "Well, it doesn't really matter because for the deep room to work, you have to want to go into it. So it doesn't really matter whether he's lobotomized or not. He doesn't want to go in there, so I don't know what's going to happen when we put him in there." Um, Yeah, and then it cuts to Zeke and Reyna being domestic, like sitting around, like making them breakfast. They're hanging out. They're at one point. Just, this is this made me laugh, and I don't know. Obviously, it was on purpose, but it's such a. I don't think it was purposely there to be weird. I think it's just they're playing what cannot really be called catch. No, it's it's fetch. 
it's fence. As if this boy were a dog. Because she is throwing the ball, not like to him. She's just like throwing it. And then he runs over and grabs it and brings it to her. And then she throws it again, but not to him. Like before he's even turned, he starts to run away. Before he's even turned around to catch it, she has just lobbed it over into the grass. And he goes and gets it. That's not catch, lady. I don't know. Maybe your dad never played catch with you, but that's what you're playing is fetch. Um, yeah, there's a lot of montages of stuff like that. Them out walking, them playing fetch, cooking and hanging out and laughing and sleeping in bed together. And not in, it never feels like gross or like, you know, just like, I don't know, she's like holding her kid as they sleep. Um, and uh, though there is, again, yeah, there's a moment and it's, because there's obviously some strange psychosexual things going on throughout the movie. This particular scene, I'm really baffled by it because I don't, I'm not sure what it is they're going for. I'm a little worried about what it is they're going for. <laughs> there's a scene, Zeke is sitting on the sofa and she is scolding him. She's telling him like, like, are you listening to me? I need you to understand this. You know, we're a team and I need to know that you understand that you can never grab mommy there again. Yeah. <laughs> Which, because here's the thing. That conversation. I've had little yeah. kids don't, I mean, this kid is old enough that he should fucking know better. But he kind of has the mind of a much younger child. But a very young child, three, four, five years old, well, sometimes they don't know what they're doing. They might run up and grab somebody by the genitals or grab them by the breath, like, because they don't know any better. And I've had to have that conversation with little kids. My little kids, they look, you know, not even like a, no, that's naughty parts, but just like, you can't grab people, anybody, you know? So that is a conversation that you you may have to have with your child. But of all the conversations <laughs> that Raina and Zeke are surely having during this time, that's the one you chose to show us is yeah. odd. I don't. I don't know if it was just an extreme example of them trying to show that you know not every that everything's not perfect. He is still a kid. They are. They're going to have problems. It's not like some perfect dream. But it, yeah, that's that, a very extreme example to pick. To yeah, and and that she's a good parent. That she's having this conversation with him and not yeah. freaking out or going the Corey route and smacking him. Like she's not making him feel bad or dirty. Right. Explaining that, like, this is not a thing that you can do. And I need to know right. to get that. But it's just of all the things that that conversation could have been. <laughs> could have been yeah. Don't throw the ball in the house because, look, you broke the window. Or, you know, a yeah. million other things that aren't, you can't grab <clears throat> there ever. It's such a specific and troubling <laughs> should be the only conversation we see them have in this fashion yeah the on purpose i don't know what that purpose is i don't understand everything about this movie again i would love to talk with the people who made this movie because i have questions and this might be my number one question is why yeah. that conversation was chosen because honestly with when you put kid, that next to the shots of them well this kid is 
a rambunct like he's dancing on this so this is a crazy kid like i'm he probably runs up to everybody and grabs them by the tits it's probably <laughs> but this kid is trouble but just and especially when it's also sort of in close proximity to shots of them sleeping in bed together like cuddled up very close and the kid is just everywhere and again it's not overtly sexual and i don't think they're trying to present it as that like as if he's like yes he's her son but also her new Corey. i don't (laughs) i really don't but it no especially with that conversation next to those things gives me an uneasy feeling that I don't understand <laughs> exactly what they were shooting at. So, right. yeah, that's an issue, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Back from the overall, everything, but it's just it definitely took me aback more than anything else in the movie. I was like, that's a weirdly specific moment of parenting to show right now of all the things you could have chosen. Um, she's making food and she says take well she just says she says lunch is ready and he runs into the room and grabs a plate on a tray and you think okay he's he's gonna eat lunch yeah but then he takes it upstairs <laughs> yeah he takes and it up to go ahead I, I originally thought he was going to the deep room but I assume it's just like a room upstairs because it's brightly lit and all this stuff well it's it's the room it is her dad's study it is the room that we have known as the deep room it's just okay so i was right about that okay yeah it's the same door it's the same door with the lock on the outside that he comes up and opens. that's right so it is that room but it's not it's not pitch black anymore it's brightly lit and there's Corey, and he always has his back to us so we never see his face but he's obviously alive because they're bringing him food it's a real baba the baba duck situation it reminded me yeah. of he's bringing him food down in the basement um yeah we just see Corey from the back he's sitting in a chair not moving like staring out of a window in this brightly lit room there's a little table next to him and zeke brings him this plate of food and then stands and like stares at him yeah real creepy like and is like for like a full 45 seconds yeah and he's doing like weird little movements with his mouth which may just be this kid actor didn't know what to do with his mouth when he's not saying anything i don't know or it might have been a purposeful like hey do something with your mouth i don't know but yeah he's making these weird little mouth movements and just staring at Corey, who again has his back to us and then traipses off and leaves and shuts the door behind him so they're living in this house now and lobotomized Corey is upstairs, <laughs> unable to join them because he wasn't able to go into the deep room. Whatever that is, and whatever it does to you, is never clarified. But I don't need it to be because it's such a almost like a tone poem of a movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> I don't need it spelled out to me what exactly the deal with this room is, if this room is even real. Obviously, Zeke is real because we see Corey reacting to him throughout the film quite a lot. Right. But is this room even a real thing? Or is this part of her mental illness? Well, I do want to talk about that once we're all done with story. Because I have thoughts and ideas. But uh... that kind of, that's basically the end. Then we have just, as the credits roll, we have just them walking, uh, Reyna and Zeke 
go out yeah. walk through the autumn leaves on the side of the road and very eerie music is playing. Yeah. I, I do I think, think that, that eerie music as if it's building to something, but it nothing it's just you just see them walking. And then that, yeah. the movie's over. But I think that that is a pretty important scene, though, because it's showing, at least in my mind, it's showing that they are totally happy and fine without Corey. That now they have their happy life because Corey's not there. Yeah, 100%. But it also, but it does add to the the surreal nature of it because realistically, Corey's family is going to wonder, where has Corey gone? <laughs> At some point, we don't know how much time has passed now between... Yeah, happening and them walking and living domestic bliss with Corey upstairs but at some point Corey's family is going to have questions for Raina as to where their son, brother, cousin whoever has gone to see Uh, and this is where I kind of got the feel that you got with uh, Saving Grace or Saved by Grace because there's there are five people in this movie and after the rednecks leave we don't see anyone in this film except the three of them. Yes. And when they're walking out on the road, there's no cars, there's no other people, there's no dogs. So it, that kind of gave me that feeling of, well, is this even the real world anymore? Are they even on Earth? Are they dead? What is going on here? Is this purgatory? <laughs> well, and the thing that I... The moment you figure out in the movie that obviously, okay, Zeke, obviously this is in some form or another, the kid that they aborted. Right. Because he has these memories of her being pregnant. He has, his name is Zeke. And I got real worried that I might be watching a secret Christian movie. Because there are several (laughs) Christian movies, the thesis of which is, a woman is haunted by the ghost of the child she aborted, and it's fucking disgusting. Like, it's such a, a sick fucking thing. It's weird obsession the Christian movies have that like oh don't you regret having an abortion now now that you've met like the grown up ghost of the child that would have been the the ghost of aborted past like Charles Dickens like it's I hate it so much and I this has that feel to it but not in like a preachy judgy way right if the idea is that like this is the ghost of the kid they aborted that that gives me an icky feeling but it doesn't that's what i say that i wanted to talk about as far as theories right because my theory is that you open the deep room or you go into the deep room it it gives you the life you want and it's because as soon as she opened that door the kid appeared and it was the kid that she was supposed to have and then she goes in there and she comes out happy everything's great and so i I think it honestly adds another layer to the whole ending of their relationship because i think even though she was angry with him and even though she blamed him for all this stuff she wanted him to go in there so he could have so he could be happy and they could be happy together yes that's true but because he wouldn't go in there willingly, it wasn't going to work. Right. And we don't have, there's no mythology behind this. We don't have an explanation no. for why this room is in this house, how it works the way it does, if it's even real or if it's just part of her mental illness. 
what does it have to do with her brother dying? If anything? Yeah. I they do kind of drop. Did her that. parents know about this magic room? Like <laughs> why she was never allowed to go in there? So there's a lot it raises a lot of questions that it does not give you answers for, probably because there aren't easy answers to it. I don't mind that. No. Even if this is somehow monkey paw style the child that they aborted brought to life returned to them or returned to her rather yeah as much as that would bother me if it were a christian movie i i get it here yeah also again it wasn't it was something she was forced or talked into and coerced into doing by Corey. Right. You know, it's not the movie saying, oh, you had an abortion, you're a bad person, you made a horrible mistake. No. But now you can rectify. You know, it's not that. It's that she, this is the child she wanted all along and let her, let him pressure her into, I don't know, there's a, there's a lot there, man. There's a lot yeah. here. <laughs> I'm here to talk about, obviously, because we've been going for a while and I didn't think we would yeah. make fun of. Not much to make fun of. No, but no, it's an I... interesting ass movie, and I hope people at this point in the episode went and watched it first rather than listen to us talk about it first. Because you really should go into this movie not knowing what you're getting in for. Yeah, and this is one that I really hope that the people that do listen, like, email or comment on, because I I'd like to know other people's thoughts on this film. Because there's a lot, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to love. It's, I honestly really enjoyed it for everything that I always want in a horror movie. I, I am a huge horror fan I and mean, it's suspenseful. It's got great performance. The tension's held very well, genuine emotion that, I mean, that it, I think that the, um, the horror is, made more effective by these people's stories, by their emotions, by their life situation. It's not just two people thrown into a haunted house, scary situation. It works because of who they are and what they've gone through. Yeah, as, as weird and surreal and dreamlike as it gets, it's still, it's also very grounded. There's no aliens running around. There's no monsters. There's no jump scares. What's scary is mental illness. What's scary is toxic relationships. What's scary is the lies we tell each other and ourself to try to get by. Yeah. Because uh, you're... Because they're in a relationship that they're not really fighting for, but they're also refusing to give up on. Right. In whatever excuse and inroad they can to keep it going when it shouldn't still be going yeah the horror is like a backdrop to this couple working through the things that they they don't talk about and that they can't resolve because it's too right. deep of a scar and that they should come to that realization and give up <laughs> like sometimes <laughs> okay to give up sometimes things aren't fixable 
So, and I think, man, I, you, I, there's, I, only, there's so much. Uh, yeah, and I think that, again, I'm not trying to jump back into the story, but I, I, there's so much I want to say. I think that when she finally does give up and just decide, okay, it's lobotomy time, it's because of what he tells her, that what he confesses, and she realizes, well, I mean, even if he were to go into that room and get, you know, what would make him happy, it wouldn't be saving our relationship. This doesn't matter. It's not going to be us happy together. There would be a falseness to it, which, I mean, also then you would think there's a falseness to her relationship with Zeke that she's not grasping. Yeah. Um, and there's also the an ironic sort of retribution of like an invasive thing was done to me by you, and now I'm going to do an invasive thing yeah. to you. An invasive <laughs> medical procedure is about to happen to you. Um, and take away a big part of yourself. Yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. And what the, I mean, once, I don't know what the, what her end game is as far as once, once you know you can't put him in the deep room and fix the situation. What does lobotomizing gain you? Well, I guess it makes him more complacent. So he's not going to be running off and calling the police and trying to fight you on. He's not going to kill him. She's not a psycho. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to discuss. There's a lot to think about. I hope everyone checks out this movie, shows it to their friends so that they can have discussions like this because there's a lot to it and I enjoyed so much talking about a good movie with things on its mind that raises questions that yeah actually prompts good things is this was not that I haven't had fun on every on all the other episodes but I know like particularly last week with me and Carrie on the uh, happy hooker goes to Washington that episode was a struggle a, it's in theory a comedy already, so how do you make fun of something that's already kind of making fun of itself? But it was also so, like, it's nothing but surface level, and there's only there's only so much you can gain from ragging on what is obviously shitty writing and shitty acting and bad you know what I mean? So, it, you know, it can be fun to a degree, but there wasn't much to say about that movie just because it was so just pointless, you know? No, this is, I mean, this Opposite is honestly, of pointless. this is honestly my favorite episode of the show so far. It's my favorite episode that I've been involved in. And I'm, I really hope we get a lot more like this. I would, that would be, I mean, not everyone because that would get less interesting, but I want more like this. <laughs> yeah, I, I still want to piss on people's hard work. And like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll get... But yeah, looking back through all the movies we've done, it's like this and Dark Crystal are the only two like legitimately good movies with I think the one yeah. not enough is like almost a good movie. And the rest are... I'm... 
Well, yeah, I I would definitely say I even like this better than the world is not enough. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and um, though I would say, World's Oldest Bridesmaid was a surprisingly enjoyable film, as was um, Welcome to Paradise, or at least not an aggressively awful film. <laughs> um, unlike everything else we've done. So out of 15 episodes, I believe is what we're at. The track record is like two A pluses and a couple Bs, and the rest are all <laughs> F minuses, you know? So yeah, let's see. I mean, surely a good movie will come up. Again, the random nature of this is what's cool is I don't know what I'm going to get. I don't know if it's going to be good. I mean, sometimes you look at something and go, well, okay, that's not going to be good. <laughs> you know, but other than Dark Crystal, I haven't had any movies that I've already seen. So everything's been a surprise, whether a pleasant surprise or not. This was right. much a pleasant surprise. This is not a movie I ever would have found on my own. I've never heard anyone talk about it. I've never seen it suggested to me around Halloween time. I would not have found it if I hadn't come across it randomly like this. And I'm so glad that it worked out because I know you know, I'm very glad I got to see the rocks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have, I think, I think we've said what we need to say about that. Uh, So the episode that we had planned point of fear will be at some point after the new year. When uh, Mr. Brooks Benjamin, the writer and director of that film, is free, as I mentioned, um, in the course of shuffling some things around, and usually I do, I spin the wheel and find out what the next movie is at the end of each episode, live on mic. Um, Because of the shuffling of things around, um, this week's a little different. I already know what next week's movie is, and I already know who next week's guest is. I want everyone to listen very closely because I am very, very excited. Our next movie is Savage Planet. It's on Amazon and Tubi. Stars Sean Patrick Flannery versus Bears on a distant planet. Um, It was made in like 2013. My guest for that episode will be Amanda Smith, co-host of the Disaster Girls podcast. Longtime Twitter friend of mine. She will be gracious and slumming it over here with me because she has a real podcast with a (laughs) sound engineer and like a professional fucking podcast that a lot of people listen to. And the fact that she's going to come on my little rinky-dink bullshit show um is really cool it's it's an honor and it's going to be fun um so that's next episode savage planet and then possibly the episode after that will be point of fear i'm not 100 percent sure it's going to depend on uh mr benjamin's availability um if there's an episode in between i will find out what it is um at the end of the savage planet episode i'll spin the wheel like normal and find out live on mic what the next movie is so yeah i've had to shuffle a couple things around and break the rules a little bit i hope it doesn't happen too often but i've had yeah a couple opportunities here 
um, have come up that I couldn't resist. So I'm happy to break the rules just this once or a couple times. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we'll have you back in a couple weeks for Point of Fear at some point. Next week is Savage Planet with, uh, yeah, with Amanda Smith. That'll be cool. Everybody check that out. And uh, any last thoughts, sir? No, uh, just since I won't be back before then, to you and the listeners, Merry Christmas. Uh, yes, Merry about Christmas. Two days. This will be, yes, because I'm recording the episode with Amanda the day after Christmas. So this will be not the last episode of the year. That will be the last episode of the year. Right. What a, what a way to round out the year. That'll be great. <laughs> and then what a way to start the new year with Coins of Fear. Point of Fear. But uh, yeah, this will be the last episode before Christmas. So happy holidays to everyone. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is you do. Festivus. <laughs> um, enjoy yourselves. Stay warm. Stay safe. And uh, that's that's it from me this week. Have a good one. Bye, everybody.